If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today is Miss Katrina Kerwin, who is an ophthalmic surgeon uh, who has worked in Children's University Hospital Temple Street, the Matter Private, the Beacon, UPMC in Clane, and who was mentored by Professor Michael O'Keefe, who many of you may know, who was um, who, who was a, a big favourite of my grandmother and grandfather who caused him years of torture and issues with their eyes. Uh, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, we have listener questions for you, but before we get to those, I guess we should just talk about what your job is, who you see, what the common issues that you see are, and yeah, and anything else we need to know. Okay. Well, I'm both an adult and paediatric ophthalmologist. So on a day-to-day basis, I see many adults and children with various eye problems. So common um, problems I would see in children are children with turns or squints in their eyes, which is strabismus, um, children who have failed their school eye test, children with watery eyes, or children who suddenly complain that of, of vague symptoms and parents are worried and ask me to see them. And then in adults... Sorry, do the parents come to you straight away or would it be referral through a GP? Sometimes they attend their GP first, but other times it's word of mouth and they ring. Um, They may get a recommendation or be talking to um, a friend whose child has previously attended me. And then they come to see me. If they ring my office directly, often I'll just see them without a referral. Oh, cool. But many times the optometrist see them first or their GP. Okay, cool. Um, so those are the things that you see most commonly in children. Yes. And then what are you seeing most commonly with your adult patients? Uh, cataracts, really common. Um, people with turns again or strabismus, often people who have had a history of strabismus surgery or surgery for a turn in the eyes in childhood or, in, in, or, or a number of years ago, whose eyes have turned again. And then I see them. Um, People with dry eye, increasingly common. Yeah, often that's so common at the moment. Yeah, with, with today's lifestyle, all the excessive use of computers, phones, it really is taking its toll on people's eyes. So that's a, a big issue. Why? Well, is it because we're looking at light all the time or because we're looking at something so close? Or It's, it's basically when you're looking at a screen intently, um, you don't blink as much and your okay. eyes dry out. And it can, and that's an issue. Um Working from home was actually a factor too. It's oh, uh, wow. because people in the office tend to get more uh, be distracted more by you know people coming up, talking to them, chatting. They'll have more reason to turn away from their computer. Whereas during COVID and working from home, often they're just they're fixated on a computer all day long. And then even when people go home from work, um, they're straight onto their phones. So or looking at the TV, and that's causing dry eyes. It is. It is. Yeah. And is it combatable or? To a degree, um, people, I always advise them to take a break from a computer after about half a minute or sorry, half an hour, um, even for a minute. That just gives their eyes a break. Um, They have to stay well hydrated. Omegas, for example, omega-3 in the diet is really important for the health of the eyes, the health of the tears. Okay. And um, so, you know, so diet does play a role too. But lifestyle, computers, just take a break. So you're seeing cataracts, dry eye. What else is kind of common? Um, other problems then, um, people with blepharitis, that's infection and inflammation in the eyelids. That can be an issue. 
and it causes causes a lot of irritation with people's eyes. And is that chronic or is that like just an eye infection that comes and goes that you would see? Or It can be chronic. It's okay. treatable to a degree. And I always advise people that when they complete the course of treatment, that there is a degree of management um, and, and managing the condition over time to try and help prevent a flare up. Again, it's just lid, lid hygiene. Mm-hmm. And uh, other problems I see are quite common things like macular degeneration and people with glaucoma. And um, who who have to be monitored, particularly people with glaucoma, have to be monitored six monthly um, to check their pressures, um, to make sure that they're compliant with treatment, and to make sure that the the um, treatment is continuing to work. Because what is glaucoma? Glaucoma is um, well, it's a silent condition. That's the number one thing okay. to be aware of. Um, it's a pr- it's a problem where the pressure in your eye is too high, and that in turn affects the the nerve at the back of the eye. Okay. And if the pressure remains high over a sustained period of time, the nerve is damaged. You lose nerve fibres and that has an impact on your peripheral field of vision. Okay. And that's why people aren't aware of it. Usually they only become aware that they have glaucoma when their central vision starts to go. And at that stage, they've had such significant field loss or damage to their nerve. So damage isn't repairable when it is picked up, mm-hmm. but we try and prevent it from progressing over time. And so like if you just go randomly to your optician for your regular checkup, will they check the pressure they, they in your eye? They always check it. Always check it. And how does the pressure build up in your eye? Um, often it's because the, well, there's fluid constantly being produced in your eye. Okay. And ideally it should leave your eye at the same rate that it's produced. Okay. But in many people, it does not, it just can't leave the eye at the same rate or as freely as it should and the pressure builds up. It builds up. Okay. And it doesn't cause pain or anything? It's just silent? No, the slow type of chronic glaucoma, which most people would have, doesn't cause pain. That's interesting. Um, My grandmother had macular degeneration and she had to have an injection into her eyeball every month. (laughs) So, and she was so cool with it. But I was traumatised because I used to bring her every month for this injection. And then she'd say like, oh, I have these footballs because there'd be kind of like blurry vision, you know, like there'd be kind of bubbles bubbles in her vision. And she'd be like pointing at the wall being like, can you see that football? I'm like, no, it's your eye. I can't see it. Um, So she was flat out taking Shield Gold, even though at that point it was well, she was well past it. Does that mean that I am more likely to get macular degeneration because she had it? Well, that's your grandmother. Do, do either of your parents have a jet? Or do, um, do, uh, so I, I don't know my paternal line. Um, my mother doesn't have it yet, no. Okay, and is your grandmother, is that your maternal that's grandmother? That's my mum's mother, yeah. Well, there is a chance, but it'll be increased further if your mum in turn, in okay. turn develops. And how would she know? Her, if her vision started to deteriorate because okay. the macula is the part of your retina that's the most important area. It's the area for your central vision. So it's the area that you use when you look directly at something. Okay. So you tend to notice, um, particularly if it's your dominant eye, sometimes people have some degree of macular degeneration and it's their non-dominant eye, the one that their brain isn't in tune with so much and they may not notice. Um, often macular degeneration is picked up on um, an eye examination for a, d- for a different reason. There's wet and dry. Yeah. I can't remember which one she had. Wet, she had wet. Okay, if she because was getting the injection. injections, yeah. That okay. means generally there's a bleed in the eye and you're trying to to dry up the, dry it the up. blood. Yeah. Um, fascinating. Something else to look forward to. Um, and do you do laser eye surgery or are you just dealing with the fallout from ones that go wrong? No, no, I do. La- I do laser eye surgery, surgery yeah. for just myopia or whatever. Myopia, hyperopia, which is longer farsightedness too. Yeah, and then some people who aren't suitable for laser and have uh, implants, lens implants instead. Oh, yeah. oh cool. 
Um, it's something that I've always thought about because I um, I have astigmatism and I'm myopic. And then I'm just afraid of, because I used to go to with this, with my Nana to this woman to get the injection in her eye. And I was talking to her about laser eye surgery and she was like, well, look, to be honest, I just see the... The, the terrible outcomes of it so I'm not a proponent I'm not I'm not big into it so then I never got it done um, but do you think it has do, would you ever be concerned about the sort of cheaper big box shops that are now doing laser eye surgeries and how they can impact people well I think you know every person has to be very mindful of the reasons why they're having something done And also, if they're not sure, regardless of who they go to or what doctor they attend, that they um, that if they want, if they feel like they want to get a second opinion, they they should should. get a second opinion. And if they're not happy or not quite sure, just, you know, just ask lots of questions. And if in doubt, don't do something. Well, that's the thing. So does, you know, the way I at the moment, I'm short sighted, right? But generally people, when they age they all need to get reading glasses yeah. at some point. So if I don't get laser eye surgery, yeah. will my myopia eventually go away when the long-sightedness, will it balance out? Well, basically, if you had eye laser surgery done now to, to, so that you wouldn't be myopic anymore, when you reach your mid-40s, you will need reading glasses. Okay. And basically, that's because your own natural lens in your eye. When you're young, your lens in your eye is really flexible. So you can see far away, you can see up close. But as you get older, the lens stiffens. So you it can't become really round to focus on things up close anymore. Okay. And that generally becomes um, noticeable in your 40s. When people are like holding Starting the holding far things away far away, And then they have to give in and get reading yeah. glasses. But being myopic is an advantage in that you will continue to be able to read up close. Okay. So if you... Got your la- if you had laser done now, you'd still be able to read up close because mm-hmm. you're not presbyopic yet. But when you get older, when you're in your 40s, you will become presbyopic, so you will need reading glasses. But I won't need them if, if you, I don't. No, if you oh, don't wow. get laser done, you will still, depend, well, depending on how what well, your exact description them. is, you'll need them for the distance, okay, but yeah. you wouldn't need them. For most people who are myopic, won't need them um, up close. Oh, that's interesting. So I won't have to have those bifocals. Which is good. Um, <laughs> well, you would to see up close. If you want to see with your glasses on, you'll need bifocals. But you can sit up in bed and read at night with no glasses on. Okay. But you wouldn't be able to see across the room. Okay, so I will need bifocals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is terrible news. Okay. <laughs> um, I might get to some listener questions and that might open up some uh, okay. some other talking points for us. Uh, so this is a g- broad question, but how does laser eye surgery work? Well, how it works is it reshapes the front window of your eye, which is the cornea. Okay. And if you're myopic or short-sighted, it takes some tissue away from the central part of your cornea. And in that way, it flattens the cornea. So when you look at something, the rays of light that enter your eye, they are, um, the direction is changed by the cornea and they should be focused correctly on your retina. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of tissue that's taken away from your cornea is determined by your glasses your prescription. prescription. So if you're only mildly short-sighted or have a small prescription, only a small amount of tissue is taken away. If you're highly short-sighted, a lot of tissue is taken away. And that's why some people may not be suitable for a laser. They either there too much tissue would have to be taken away or there wouldn't be enough the left tissue. behind. Okay. There's a certain amount that has to be left behind. All right, okay. And is it like really delicate work or is it 
you just point the laser and press a button? Um, well, it depends on exactly what you're having done. Okay. There are two ways in which laser surgery is approached. Um, but just to say, actually, the other type of prescription is hyperopic or long-sided correction. And in that way, the tissue is taken away from the peripheral part of your cornea okay, to, to make, make it, it steeper. Th- yes, okay. To make, make it steeper. Um, but either way, there are two ways in which laser is approached. If um, there's LASIK, where a flap is cut in your cornea with another with a laser. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's LASIK or PRK where the surface layer of your eye is removed with laser and then the actual treatment of your prescription is carried out. So the actual treatment of your prescription is the same, it's the same, but it's access to your eye or the way in which the eye is approached is different depending on whether you have LASIK or LASIK. It's so delicate though, like you're talking about less than millimetres. Oh yeah, it's, it is, yeah. Oh it my is. God. Yeah. Um, how to heal corneal abrasions and for prevent them from reoccurring? Okay. Well, if someone has a corneal abrasion, they often have a history of trauma. Okay. Sometimes people don't have a history of trauma. I know someone whose child scratched them oh, in the eye. Oh, that's a common one. Okay. That's one of the most common reasons people come in <laughs> with a corneal abrasion, those little fingernails. But if, if, if it's trauma, um, and it usually, obviously, then it affects one eye. If, it's, if, if someone has no history of trauma, but it affects both eyes, they may have an underlying corneal problem or what's called a corneal dystrophy. But if someone comes in, say, like your your friend with their child scratched their eye, the first treatment, um, first of all, it's extremely painful, as anyone who's ever had an abrasion will know. Um, Your eyelid will be swollen, pouring water. And um, so they could either have their eye padded for 24 hours or what's called a bandage contact lens could be put in. Um, which just protects the eye and allows the person to open their eye until the cornea heals. But luckily the cornea does heal quite Quickly quickly. Um, but once it's healed, that's just the first step because when the new, la- new cells grow back over the cornea, it'll take a while for them to stick down properly. So there's still a risk of it breaking down and becoming what's, developing what's called a recurrent erosion. And if they get develop a recurrent erosion, what generally happens is that the person's eye dries out when they're asleep at night. So they wake up in the morning and, so, and eye really sore, watering, painful. So the treatment then to for anyone with a, a corneal abrasion, once it's initially healed, is to try and prevent a recurrent erosion. Abortion. So just to put lubricant drops in their eyes every night going to bed okay. for about six months. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had laser eye surgery in... 2008, but I'm wearing glasses for the last four or five years. Is it recommended to do it a second time? Well, it depends. It's some you that um, person who asked the question would have to have an assessment to make sure that their eye was healthy, that they had enough corneal tissue to allow them to have it done, and that they don't have dry eyes. But yes, they can have it done again. Does the corneal tissue grow back? No. No. Okay. But in in general, when someone is having their initial surgery, you'd always allow that they, if they ever needed it done again. That, that they would have enough tissue left behind. So the younger someone is when they have it done and the more short-sighted they are when they have it done, the higher the chance They'll that they will it. need it done again. Okay. If there's glaucoma in the family, when do you need to start getting checked for it? Um, generally about early 40s. Okay. Um, blurred vision, given eye drops for dry eyes. So many friends have the same thing at the moment. Why are there so many? Well, we talked about that. Yeah, it's a yeah, lifestyle it's lifestyle, thing. yeah. So taking a break from your computer... Yeah. Absolutely. And are you saying like take a break from the computer and close your eyes or take a break from your computer and look at something far away? Just look far away. Okay. Just look far away. Okay, yeah. go for a walk. And in general, overall, try to use, you know, reduce screen time. Right. I had LASIK six years ago, but vision worsened after pregnancy. Is it okay to redo surgery or better not to? Because um, you could have it done again. Yeah. Absolutely. Does pregnancy impact your vision? Um, 
Well, hormones can change temporarily, but no, not really. Not really. No. Because it seems to be changing everything. (laughs) (laughs) My hashtag get new shoes, my shoe size has changed, everything has changed. Um, Any supplements to take to avoid getting macular degeneration or to slow progression because it's in the family? Yeah, there are lots of um, supplements readily available over the counter in the pharmacy. So just ask for any of them. Absolutely. are they based, like, should you also be taking omegas? Is it that kind of thing? Or no, they're specific, uh, they're specific ones. All those things would be in the ones that are specially formulated, formulated for people, yeah. yeah. Um, can you be fully asleep getting laser eye surgery? No. No. You need to be able to fixate on the target. Oh, wow. To have this treatment centred on the middle of the centre of your pupil. Oh. Can dry eye cause lasting damage? It can't. It, well, if it was it, depending on the, the type of dry eye that most people would have, doesn't cause lasting damage. Okay. The type of dry eye that can cause a problem is if someone can't close their eye fully at night for some some problem. I knew a man who used to sleep with his eyes open, and it was so bizarre. And I yeah. visited him in hospital once, and I was like, "Oh hi, yeah," and he was just fast asleep. Yeah, the risk of the risk of not fully. Most people, they have a thing called a Bell's phenomenon. So if you actually, if someone closed their eye and you forcefully try to open it, their eye, the, the cornea should actually disappear up under their eyelid. Okay, and that's what happens to people when they're asleep at night. So, um, but what can happen to some people? Just say they have an eyelid problem and they can't close their eye properly, and the cornea is exposed. Then it can dry it can become dry, dry, and then that can be a really serious condition. We all know neck and back pain can be so debilitating. The good news is the vast majority of spinal problems can be treated successfully by regaining movement, flexibility and strength. Whether you have an existing condition or a recent injury, Matter Private has centres of excellence for spinal care in Dublin, Cork and Limerick to provide you with comprehensive diagnosis, treatment, surgery and rehabilitation. With daily clinics in five locations, it means you can access the expert spine care that you need without having far to travel, no matter where you live. Making the right move is important. And when you have neck or back pain, you want to be treated by Ireland's leading spine experts. You want a team who can look after everything spinal from the straightforward to the most complex conditions. For everything spinal, visit matterprivate.ie to find out more. Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 episodes featuring some of the best comedy performers in the country. People like Kevin McGahern, Alison Spittle, Killian Sunderman, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Michael Fry, Emma Doran, Peter McGann, Hannah Mamalus, Tony Cantwell and so many more. Join me, Dave Coffey, for phoning it in right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um, what are your thoughts on using breast milk for eye infections in young babies? Well, I've heard of that. I've never recommended it. But I mean, that's not to say that, it, you know, people do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did it, but I, I, I don't know if it did anything more than, you know, saline solution would have done. Yeah, to be but honest, I mean, the main thing really, depending on the type of infection, if 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 sometimes a child a baby just has a sticky eye from a blocked tear duct mm-hmm. and then antibiotics unless the eye if the eye is white and it's a sticky eye, cool boiled water yeah um well is the best um some parents bring their ch- child to me who's had recurrent infections they keep they get recurrent prescriptions for antibiotic but that's not going to work cool boiled water is all they need and massage them. massage of the over the lacrimal sac which is you know the area the inner corner of, over, where you'd put concealer in yeah. there that's where the, the lacrimal that's where the sac is where that needs to be massaged, massaged. up to 10 times a day okay. but unless the eyeball itself is white they don't need an antibiotic but yeah if breast milk would you know I've 
if that you have to try it, that's okay. Anything to help my son with nystagmus? I'm no. afraid not. No. no. What is that? It's it's um it's really the fine tuning of the muscles. Um, controlling the eye and it's really fine movement. Sometimes uh, for a lot of people they have it but you unless you were really looking at somebody really closely you don't mm-hmm. see the, the to and fro movement. Um, is it sort of like watching someone who's looking out the window of a train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, very fine movements. Sometimes it's an isolated condition um, just called congenital motor nystagmus and um, often it's quite rapid eye movement when when the child is born and then it, it can dampen down or become much less noticeable during the first year of life. Um, but it's it's also associated with other conditions like albinism or just or, or um, children who have poor vision fr- okay. from 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 birth. Um, I had one cataract done with Katrina before COVID. I need the second one done. Do I need another referral? No, no, no. She's no. contact my secretary. Just contact her secretary. Yeah. Uh, when should I be worried about eye floaters? Um, well, a lot of people have floaters that they've had for a long time. What is that? Is that like it's, what my grandmother was seeing? Yeah, but that was a temporary thing after the injection because yes, there were bubbles. But a lot of people, particularly on bright sunny days or in a room with a white background, they'll see these little things floating around in their eyes. And if the, if if they're if someone's had them for a long time and they haven't changed, it's nothing to worry about. But if somebody where where the cause for concern arises if they suddenly develop okay. out of the blue and they may or may not be associated with what's called flashing lights and people say to me well, what's a flashing light I say well if it, ha- if you do- if it happened to you you'd notice Notices. usually then people notice it in dim light conditions they'll see flickering um, either um, so if someone has so a new onset of floaters um, with or without flashing lights they should get their eyes checked because it, from someone like you or just into an optician well they can go to an optician but the optician may often refer them refer on, them on. Okay. Um, because it could signify a tear in the retina. Okay. Usually it's change in the jelly of the eye, which happens as people get older. It's called a posterior vitreous detachment, not to be confused with a retinal detachment. It's the jelly of your eye pulling away from your retina. And where the that, that's common and that's often causes, gives rise to those symptoms. Okay. But what can happen is that when that jelly pulls away, it can pull on the retina and cause a tear. Right, and okay. that's where the cause, that's where the, the concern arises. So it, in, in that instance, if it's found early, the tear, it can be sealed off with a laser. Oh, right. But if it, if the tear isn't detected, it can result in a retinal detachment. Okay. So it's advisable awful. if it's their new floaters or associated with flashing lights to get um, their eye checked. Do you have any suggestions for nighttime winter driving? Surgery, glasses, lenses, it's a nightmare. I kind of get this as well, like the glare of other lights coming against me. Yeah. In winter at night time is, is a lot. And then also like the winter sun. Yeah. Well, it depends on, on the age of the patient. Um, if, if it's an older patient, it could be due to a degree of cataract forming okay. that's causing it. But if it's a long-standing issue, um, also if people come in with very dry eyes or inflammation surface of their eye, it can cause um, night driving problems. Um, but in general... If their glasses need to be up to date, because okay. if you're slightly undercorrected in your glasses, it, it can contribute to glare to at glare. night. But it's 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 a difficult one to treat for for many patients. My dad needs cataracts, but he's cataract surgery, but he's terrified. How hard or easy is it these days? Well, it's an operation inside the eye, and so a lot of people are really anxious. Um, and you t- have to be awake. You don't have to be awake, but ninety nine percent of people are awake. And, and he can have sedation. Okay. But it's an operation inside the eye. Um, generally, two openings are made into the eye. 
and then instruments are put inside and ultrasound because people often ask if it's somewhat a laser or it's not. Yeah. Um, ultrasound is used to break up the cataract and then when the cataract has been removed a new lens goes in. Okay. Everyone gets a new lens and most people don't know but that did, that happened but everyone gets a new lens. People just think it was cleared off their old lens. Everyone, Most people think or a lot of people think it's a film on the surface of their eye but uh, it's actually not. It's inside your eye behind the pupil oh, wow. where the cataract is. So he's very, he'd be anxious but in, in, in the vast majority of people it's straightforward. And what would cause cataracts in a 40 year old? This person has a history of severe preeclampsia which is high pressure, high blood pressure in yeah, pregnancy. Yeah, that wouldn't cause it. But no. it depends. Cataracts can develop in people in their 40s. Um, often, and not always, they're, um, well, things in general that can cause cataract at that age. It could be steroid use that can increase the incidence of um, cataract. Also, short-sighted people, people who are quite short-sighted or myopic, tend to, can often develop cataracts at an earlier age. Um. My three-year-old has astigmatism in both eyes. Can anything be done? Glasses. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing. Yeah, that's what I have. But I didn't get my glasses till I was 26. I remember coming out of the... My, my grandmother took me for dinner and I was squinting at the menu. She was like, you need to get glasses. I was like, I definitely don't. And I went to the optician with her, Margaret Barrett and Cabra. And Margaret was like, you don't drive, do you? I was like, I do, yeah. And she was like, you shouldn't be driving. You really shouldn't. You need this. And I remember getting my glasses and coming out of her opticians in Cabra and looking across at this tree outside Clark's Bakery and seeing the individual leaves on the tree. And I was like, oh my God, I did not know you should have <laughs> been able to see this look. detail. Um, so yeah, glasses for astigmatism. Um, are there any new treatments for macular degeneration? My mother has it in both eyes progressing and will it lead to blindness over time? She's 73. Well, it depends on the type. Um, there are various new treatments for um, with macular degeneration. They're often based around the same type of, of, of medication, but they may work slightly differently. differently. But um, for the dry macular degeneration, unfortunately, the, it's, it's vitamins, you know, the supplements are, are really the um, <coughs> only, only way. And yeah. that just slows it? It slows it down. It does. Okay. It does. But, you know, it, it, the thing about macular degeneration, it, it can have, well, it can have a devastating effect, obviously, because it's central vision, what people need to read and to see things. But a person will never lose all their sight. Okay. Because they'll always have their peripheral vision. Okay. And often, sometimes people can adapt a little bit to look slightly to the side of things to see better. To see but better. it's 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 a very difficult problem. Is, what should we be mindful of to prevent damaging our sight? For example, screen time or wearing cheap glasses. Is wearing cheap sunglasses not protection enough for our eyes during summer? Well, most sunglasses nowadays have a CE mark, so they you know that they, they, they sh- even the cheap ones should be fine to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, sorry, what was the other part of the question? Um, things we should be mindful of to prevent damaging our eyesight. Just taking breaks and screens is is the number one these days. Okay. Yeah. And healthy diet or? Oh, oh healthy diet. Smoking is another one. Yeah. Smoking is bad. All Particularly, the <laughs> yeah, if you have a family history of macular degeneration. Okay. Smoking is it's not really good. Bad. Yeah, yeah. It could, I mean, it I've be never bad. heard someone saying that smoking is good no, for something. No, I know. So, <laughs> but, um, but it's something that you might not think that it's going to affect your eyes. You know about lungs, you know about the other organs, but it's it's um, it's um uh, it can affect your eyes and macular degeneration quite significantly. Loads, loads of things here. Not a question, but she is my son's consultant and she is fabulous. She is an amazing pediatrician, pediatric ophthalmologist. How does she feel carrying on the great work of Professor O'Keefe? How do you feel about that? Gosh, well, do you know, I often say he taught me 
pretty much everything I know so I worked with him for so many years but um he was a great yeah, guy. He was. He was. He once saw my grandmother on St. Stephen's Day. Like, yeah, well. <laughs> I'd say arguably too committed to his work. <laughs> well, do you know, I mean, people appreciated it so much. I mean, I hear it every day, every yeah. day. So I really appreciate everybody, you know, thinking the world of him because I think we all did. Yeah, may he rest in peace. Um, what is the most common surgery and the least common surgery that you've done? Well, some, every so often you have to do something that's a variation of, say, for example, certain types of operations for a turn in the iris squint. Sometimes quite unusual ones come in okay. that I see and um, and it have to do something that wouldn't be a common operation. So I wouldn't have done it often, but it's something that nobody would have done very often, you know. Yeah. So it's something that... That's it's just, just quite rare for that person yeah, or absolutely. for in general. Yeah. Uh, Katrina has looked after my daughter. She's just the loveliest person. Um, blocked tear duct since birth in a 15-month-old why is surgery the last resort to rectify? Because, well, the main reason it's a general anaesthetic. Okay. And we always try and avoid a general anaesthetic in a but small child. it's also child. probably going to have scar tissue maybe, wouldn't no, it? No, not really. It, no. it doesn't. But the reason we wait for a child with a blocked tear duct is most of them will get better on their own in the first year of life. Right, okay. So massage is really important. And as I say to you, that area in, you know, in the corner, yeah. not down the nose, but that kind of darker area, press really firmly on it because... There's a tear duct that leads from the inner corner of your eye down into your nose. And during development, that's um, not open. Um, but for most babies, when, by the time they're born, a little hollower passage is formed down through the centre of that. So that when they do start to produce tears, the tears drain down into their nose. But in some children, it's not open. There can be a little membrane. So that little tear sac there and in the corner swells up. So if you press on it and massage it, you know, press it with your small finger and small baby, it can force the tears down um, and up to 10 times a day that needs to be done. Okay. So most of them will get better on their own. So we give it a chance for to them to get for it to get it better on its own. And it's, if it's still there at 12, um, you know, by the time they're 12 months of age, would probe. Uh, Professor O'Keefe performed laser eye surgery on my one kilogram baby. He will have trained a legend. <laughs> Amazing. Um, have you, has Dr. Kerwin treated kids who had cleft palate for sight issues? Yes, yeah, some of them do develop sight issues. Okay. Um, so some of them, well, some of them, what we'd always have to watch out for is a child who has a history of cleft palate and if they become myopic, um, because that can be, there could be an underlying association there that needs to be checked out. Okay. So, yeah. Um, is it true that there's no point in getting laser after the age of 40? It depends on what the person wants. Okay. As long as they know that, it just say they're getting it done because they want to improve their distance vision if they're myopic at least they, once they know and that they're going to be wearing reading glasses a lot of people are happy with that yeah um, and then there are also people who are long-sighted or far-sighted who come in and again but a lot of those aren't suitable at the time but they may be suitable when they're older but yeah it totally depends on the person okay uh, my son is five and has really bad dry eyes he's blinking very hard what can I do to help um, well diet um, omega-3 in his diet so oily fish uh, flaxseed, milled flaxseed, sprinkle it on a cereal, put it in his yogurts. It's less common in children. Lubricant drops can help. Once he's been checked and everything else is, you know, his eyes are otherwise healthy, which they probably are. Um, a, a lubricant drop will help. Now, lots of children don't want you them. to come near them with a drop. So there is a lubricant spray you can get and he'd close his eyes and you spray it on his closed eyelids and that oh, would help. Uh, that's presuming that she's checked out. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, he's a like, healthy child. Yeah. My eight-year-old has JIA. I don't know what that is. No flare since age four. Had asymptomatic uveitis, uveitis once. When does annual eye check stop? 
Um, well, what he's sorry, he's eight. He's eight. Well, it depends on the overall level of control and if his rheumatologist, um, depending on the treatment. Juvenile infant arthritis, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it depends on um, if he's still in the hospital and still under the care of a rheumatologist, it's still advisable that he has that he has ongoing yearly eye checks because, it, you know, it's it's it's. It's much better to be, you know, to do it and not need it rather than be sorry afterwards that. So he'll be seen for the foreseeable future. What damage is our screens doing to children's eyes? Um, they're, well, they're going to cause an epidemic of myopia or short sightedness. OK. So, um, so we'll all need, they'll all need glasses. <laughs> a significant number of them will. So and is that really just screens that they're holding or like? Yeah, screens that they're holding are worse than television. Than television. Yeah. Okay. So, so um a lot more children are going to become short-sighted because of all the computer and, and, and screen use. So, um, but nowadays if children come, to, so if the younger a child becomes myopic or short-sighted, the more short-sighted they're going to become. Oh, do you get progressively more short-sighted? You get progressively worse because short, short-sightedness develops as your eyes grow. Okay. So if you develop it as a small child and, your eyes, and you still have a lot of growing to do, you're going to become more short-sighted. So children are actually meant to be the other way around. They're meant to be long-sighted. That's the normal state for a child's eyes. And what happens is that they tend to grow out of their long-sightedness okay. over time. And then they can go the other way and become short-sighted. So if a child becomes myopic earlier, they're going to end up quite short-sighted. So nowadays there are means to try and control the progression of the myopia because we know it's inevitably going to get worse. They can get myopia control glasses from their optician or um, what I often do is I put them on a dilute concentration of atropine and that slows the growth of the eye. Okay. And it's really effective, but it's the children have to put. Have to be, it has to be put into child's eyes every night oh, for a right. few years. And how is how is looking at the screen making them short sighted? Is it just that the muscles are focusing so close and Absolutely. they just get used to that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so playing outdoors and looking at things far away. Yeah, needs natural to be sunlight is one of those things that's really important. Okay. Um, and has been shown to slow the progression of myopia if we want to get more of it here. Yeah. But the other yeah. things are a good light when they're reading. So not just in the room, but a light shining over their shoulder onto a page. So no reading under the, the duvet at night time. Yeah. So, so reduce screen time, outdoor um, out, outdoor play and um, a good light when they're reading are really important. Great. Um, why would a child suddenly develop a squint? And then one more question after that. Well, it depends on, on the age of the child, but often it can be because uh, they're long-sighted or far-sighted. And so if a child suddenly develops a turn, um, as my own son did when he was three, just came, went, left the house, came back half an hour later and his eye turned in. But You're joking. Yeah. So um, often... What was, how, like what had happened? Well, he, his eye, it, 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 suddenly it's just one of those things. Nobody knows exactly what happens, but he was controlled. He turned out he was quite long-sighted. Okay. And that happens to many children. They're able to control it for a period of time. And then suddenly their brain just, oh, it's like this. I can't do this Oh, anymore. I can't do this anymore. Often they, it can be associated with being sick or tired. Okay. And uh, so, or in other children, it can be a, it very slowly developing. Parents might say, oh, is, that, is the eye turning? Or well, maybe not. Yeah. And then it goes on for a while. But in other children, it's much more uh, acute. So they come to me. The first thing is to check inside their eyes, the retina, check their vision, check inside their eyes to make sure everything is OK. And then to check the focusing power of their eye. A lot of them are long-sighted or far-sighted. So in a number of children, by getting glasses, it stops their eye from turning. Okay. Now, when they take off the glass, the eye will turn again. But that's the type of turn. It means that it's a focusing issue that's causing the turn. Yeah. And those children don't need surgery if they're straight with their glasses. Then there's another group of children 
even they may not need glass at all. Or if you give them glasses, it makes no difference. So it's a muscle problem okay. and they're, they, they need surgery. OK. And is that when you see kids going around with a patch? No, that's a different thing. OK. Yeah. So a patch, uh, some children with a turn um, wear a patch. And that's because the eye that's turning is a weaker eye in that the vision isn't good. OK. So they're trying uh, to yeah, and train it. Exactly. Well, it's to force, it's to make the brain. So part of the, I always say to parents, the part of your brain that controls vision is at the back of your brain. And there are specific nerve pathways that go from the eye to that part of the brain. And in a child, um, say, for example, a child who's failed their school eye test and the vision is weak in one eye, the, the brain has switched off from that eye to a degree. OK. So you can give the child glasses or, um, it, but but it, the brain is still switched off from that eye. So okay. you cover the good eye to force the brain to use Switch the weaker eye to get the nerve pathways to grow. Okay. And that's why age is really important in a child with an eye problem, because the brain is capable of change. It can form new pathways and it can lo- also lose them. But it starts to lose stability gradually over time. And, and we usually say around eight years of age. Um, it's kind of the same it, as language acquisition, yeah, like the, the younger they are. Yeah, the, the closer you get to eight, the less it, it, the harder it is to, to improve the vision. So, um, so that's why if a child is wearing a patch, it's to, it's to improve the vision. Mm. And did your son need surgery or just glasses? He needed surgery and glasses. Oh, oh. Did you do it? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Fetzer Keefe did. Oh, fair play to him. Um, and then finally, should all kids get their eyes checked or is that already a service that's happening in schools? It is happening in schools. But um, one issue that I, always know, I have is that children often these days start school a bit older okay. than they did before. So my advice to people is always if there's a family history. So the most common reason children fail their school eye tests is because their vision is weak in one eye. Okay. So there no, no one would ever have realised there's a problem with the other eye because they can do everything. Yeah. And often that's because of a difference in the focusing power of the two eyes. So they might need glasses for one eye, whereas they don't for the other. And that often runs in families. Okay. So family history is really important. So if there's a family history of a problem, Often people are really aware, but sometimes they're not. It's important to get their, chi- eye, their child's eyes checked when maybe when they're about two years of age. And is that possible? Like, oh, can is. you get a two-year-old to sit and... You, do- can, you can actually check their eyes when they're asleep oh, wow. under general anaesthetic. So often people hold off coming to see me because they think, well, it'd be possible, look, it'd be possible to hold him, you know, to yeah. check his eyes. But we, we don't... Even if a child is... You can tell if they're... You can tell or measure check that they're fixing and following. Yeah. You don't check their, what's called their acuity on a chart in the really young children. Yeah. You, so often you can, you know, um, you might be able to check it with the two eyes open, but you can't check individual eyes. But as long as you cover one eye and they're fixing and following, you can actually tell um, what their prescription is. You put drops in and you often have the parents have to help hold them while well, you just put lenses up in front of their eyes and determine exactly what your prescription is. Because okay. if you wait until they were old enough to comply, it would be too Absolutely late. Absolutely blind, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Katrina Curran, that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Lots of other listener questions, but mostly this box is full of praise for you and your ability to do your job with uh, young paediatric cases. Um, Thank you so much for joining us in studio. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. And thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Cahal O'Gara. We are produced by Hilary Barry and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 
If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. Plus.